In John 4, we'll begin reading here, talking about Jesus, verse 5. John 4, verse 5. It says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now why did she come to the well? To draw water. Everybody say, to draw water. That's why she came. Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now the passage goes on to tell more about what happened in that situation, but I just wanted you to notice that particular portion. Hold your place there and go back with me to Proverbs, the 20th chapter. And I want you to notice one verse here, and then we're going to comment on that passage. Proverbs Chapter 20. How many thank God for the Word? Aren't you glad for the Word? The Word is life to us. Medicine and health to us, the Scripture says. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Read that last phrase with me, if you would. A man of understanding will draw it out. Read it again. Think about it. A man of understanding will draw it out. Draw what out? Draw out of those deep waters. He said in the deep waters of the man there is counsel. And if a person understands, they'll do what? They'll draw it out. Now, the title of my my teachings for today and, and perhaps throughout the week is Draw It Out. Draw It Out. Now, this this account that we read from John chapter 4 is an actual happening. I mean, it's, you know, historically. There was a day in history where that Jesus went by this place and, and he stopped by this well. And what happened there it actually it physically happened. But also there's great spiritual application and symbolism. The Bible tells us there are many things that Jesus said and did that are not recorded. But the ones that were recorded are recorded because uh, of their their great significance in so many areas and so many applications. It's not just by coincidence that they met by the well and the conversation revolved around the well. Do you understand? There's great spiritual significance, great symbolism here. You see, Jesus had been traveling and, and he they'd been walking and it was it was hot, I'm sure. And uh He's there by the well and he's thirsty and he's dry. And uh, there's a well, but there's no way he can get the water because the well is deep. And they didn't have, it was a community well, 
but they didn't have a, a, a frame over it with a pulley and a rope and a bucket that just anybody could use. And they didn't have a pump, of course, or a faucet. There's water and plenty of it, and probably cold and good, but it's way down deep in the well. You can't reach it. You can't go down in there and get it and get back out. You have to have an apparatus. Uh, usually, a, 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 they probably used a piece of pottery, like a, a vase of sorts, with a, with a loop on it, a hook with a rope or a line, kind of like a bucket and a rope that you could uh, put over the side and, and lower it down into it and, and let it fill up and then pull it back up. And that's how you would draw the water up out of the well is with the, the bucket or the vase, the piece of pottery, and the rope. And so while he's standing there, probably looking down in the well, wishing he had some of that water, this woman comes by. She has something to draw with. That's why she came. We read that, didn't we? Why did she come? To draw water. She came to draw the water up out of the well. And uh, he looked at her. While she's probably lowering down her her her, her uh, bucket of sorts, I'll just call it a bucket. You understand it's probably a piece of pottery, but we'll call it a bucket because it was of sorts. While she's lowering her bucket down into the well, he's looking at her. She's looking at him. And he asked her, he said, would you give me a drink? In other words, when you get that back up out of there, would you give me some of it? And she looked at him and she said, well, uh, why are you asking me for anything? You're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan. Now, I'm sure she said that real sarcastically. Because there was a lot of prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. You know, the devil's always been around trying to stir up one group of folks against another, hadn't he? I mean, he's, he's you know, no different today. He's working hard on trying to get, you know, uh, get one, one, one nation of folk against another nation of folk. Get, get one group of people against another group. You know, get one color against another color. Get one sex against another sex. He's always working on that. And it's very foolish. And it shows immaturity and ignorance for people to be susceptible and yield to those things. And yet many people, that's where they're at. But how I many know that it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the gender of a person or the color of a person or the background of a person it does not determine what kind of person that is. It's the heart of a person. Isn't that right? It's the heart of a person. That's what determines what kind of person they are. Not, not, the, not their color, not their gender, not where they come from. It's, it's their heart. Aren't you glad that God looks at the heart? Amen. God looks at the heart of an individual. But uh, Jesus is standing here by the well. And he asked her for a drink. And she says, well, why do you ask me for a drink? Because the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. One uh, translation says uh, the Jews don't drink from the same dishes as Samaritans do. There was really a lot of prejudice, a lot of problems. Now, you know, a lot of people would have got down on her level, you know, and gotten offended and got indignant because of little, little, you know, remarks to, to prick here and there. But, you know, if somebody comes across and acts prejudice towards you, if you, if you walk in the spirit, you don't get down on that level. The Bible said it's, it's an honor for a man to ignore an insult. Amen. A lot of things you just need to act like you didn't even hear. Just smile. Somebody said, well, people will think I'm naive. Well, the Bible said you're supposed to be simple concerning evil. If you walk in love properly, some people will think you're just naive. They think, well, that poor dear, they, need, they didn't even realize that they were saying ugly things about them. Well, no, maybe you're just too big of a person to let it bother you and get down on their level about it. Just smile like, like you didn't even hear it. Amen. Just smile and treat them nice just like they called you a, a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Or, or a Christian and a lady. You know, whatever, whatever. But uh, he, just, he just looked at her and he, he began to minister to her. He said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd have asked him for a drink. And he had given you water, living water. And she said, well, sir, the well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with. Where are you going to get this water? 
He said, the one that comes to me and believes on me, he'll receive living water. There'll be in him a well of water, living water, that springs up into everlasting life. If you drink this water, you'll thirst again. But the water that I'm talking about, the water that I'll give you, will cause you not to ever thirst. She became interested. She, she said, give me this water so that I won't thirst, so that I won't have to come here and draw anymore. <laughs> She's interested. See, now, now instead of them fussing about, you know, prejudiced issues, they're talking about spiritual things. Do you, do you see how sometimes if you'll just pass over an insult and just go right on to something else, people will get their mind off of it and, and you, you'll avoid great problems? Amen. I feel like I ought to deal with that just a little bit more. How many know what I'm talking about? See, I mean, you know, he, she, she said, uh, why are you asking drink of me? I mean, you know, I, I could elaborate on this just a little bit. Because you can see there's sarcasm here and you can see there's prejudice here. Now, I think probably every one of us has, has come in contact with sarcasm and prejudice. Haven't we? Oh, are you kidding? You know. Men are prejudiced against women. Women are prejudiced against men. Blacks are prejudiced against whites. Whites are prejudiced against blacks. Uh, blacks are prejudiced against Orientals. Orientals are prejudiced against Hispanics. Hispanics are prejudiced against whites. Vice versa. Northerners are prejudiced against Southerners. And Southerners are prejudiced against Northerners. And Easterners are against Westerners. And, and Americans against Soviet citizens. And, and, and North Americans, Central Americans, South Americans. The devil has been working hard. And if you got some of that stuff in you, then you just got some of the devil's junk in you. Need to get delivered. It's just the truth. Yeah, but you don't know how they treated me. Well, that doesn't change what the Bible says about how you're supposed to think and how you're supposed to act. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done to us. Yeah, but what did our sin do to Jesus? The Bible said God forgave us of what, you know, is, is compared in the Scripture to a $10 million debt. And in Matthew 18, it, it, it likens what anybody else would do to us unto a $20 debt. Amen? And, and if the Lord would forgive us for our $10 million debt, and we won't forgive somebody for their, in comparison, what would be like a $20 debt, then... Uh, the Bible said, if you don't forgive your brothers, then your father won't forgive you. Very serious. And just because one person acted, you know, terrible, doesn't mean that all people that color or that gender or that background are that way. How many know that that's, that's so foolish to stereotype people? I mean, there, there are good white people and there are sorry white people. Is that right? There are good men and there are bad men. There are good black people and there are sorry black people. There are good women and there are bad women. Isn't that right? And you, you don't, you know, to stereotype and judge a whole group of people by one person's action shows how shallow and ignorant you are. Isn't that right? Don't care, don't care who you are. Don't care what group you are. I just mentioned a few just for examples purposes. But uh, this woman, you know, I mean, she, she's kind of biting on that. She said, well, you know, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking anything of me? Because, you know, probably some, a lot of Jews she had met had just treated her like a dog, just treated her like dirt, you know. And she's probably thinking, oh, yeah, now you're here and you're thirsty and you want something. And uh, you want me to do something for you. But if you didn't need anything, then uh, you wouldn't have time of day for me. And she's got a lot of bitterness in her. How many know if you if you got things like that in you, you, you have to change before you can receive from the Lord? Those kind of things will hinder you. They'll, they'll, they'll hinder your heart from being receptive. The Bible said faith works by what? Love. Love. Well, if you got a bunch of hate and animosity and bitterness in you and grudges in you, that's not love. And, and if love's not operating and faith works by love and love's not operating, then what about faith? not going to work. If faith works by love and love's not operating, then faith's not going to work. Because faith works by love. So, you know, you can't, you can't harbor 
ill will or animosity or grudges against people and that kind of thing. You just, you just can't do it. And walk in faith and have victory. And you can't be so shallow as to judge everybody by one person's actions. Amen. You know, that, that's, that's the great error that people say, well, they're all like that. You know, all wealthy people are that way. All white folk act like that. All women are that way. Well, all men are the same. No, they're not. I said, no, they're not. Are they? That's frustrating. You ever, you ever try to deal with somebody? And, 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 you know, they, they've already got you labeled and, and everything. They've already got you categorized. I've run across that before. Well, all charismatics are the same. All you faith preachers are the same. All of you. Health and wealth bunch. Prosperity preachers. All the same. Money hungry. You know. All you do is take up offerings for three hours. <laughs> All you faith healers. Charlatans and tricksters. All are all the same. Now, sometimes folk have done things that have brought reproach on the ministry and it makes it tough for other folk. And there may be people from your background or from your country or from your area or, or your color or your gender that have done things that can make the road rocky for you. But you just have to keep a sweet spirit. Amen. And the thing is, not just try to argue with somebody about it. Prove to them by your actions and by your life that you're not like that. Don't waste your breath sometimes trying to argue with somebody about it. Just prove it by your life. And if they're not knowledgeable and sensible enough to, to watch you and give you time and see, then uh, they're, they're not a very substantial person anyway. They're very shallow and their opinion doesn't make any difference anyway. Do you understand? Didn't mean to get into all that, but I mean, it's all right here. I mean, she said the Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. But this whole passage of Scripture it is around a well, isn't it? The whole story is around a well and about a well and about water. And Jesus took this opportunity to talk about salvation, didn't he? Look at that verse again there in that fourth chapter. Let's notice it again. In that fourth chapter of John, he said in verse 13, the la uh, he said to her, he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice, the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. Amen. And when you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's the Spirit of life. Now there's also, a, 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 you know, a following experience that everyone should receive, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that has to do with an endowment of power upon. When you're born again, you've got the Spirit in you. But the Bible also says that you need the Spirit upon you to give you power to be a witness. Amen. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 when the Spirit of God came on them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. That wasn't where they were born again. They were already born again. The Bible says that what, what, what's the criteria for being born again? Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells you, doesn't it? That you uh, uh, confess, amen, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe on your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'd be saved. But see, nobody could do that till he was raised from the dead. But after that he appeared to them and they saw him they, and they could believe on it and they could confess him, they were born again. And then later they were endued with power to be served, you know, to be uh, powerful uh, servants to testify of Christ. He told them, you know, the Bible said that after he appeared to them and he breathed on them in John 20 and said, receive the Holy Ghost. 
They were born again. They received the Spirit in the new birth, you see. And the Bible said they had joy and they were praising God in the temple. But he told them, he said, wait here though. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You, you need more than just being born again. Amen. Oh, now you can go to heaven being born again. You understand what I'm saying? But if you're going to be a powerful witness for Christ, then you need this, this scriptural uh, experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Some folk have misunderstood and tried to say, well, you Pentecostals are saying that if we don't speak with tongues, that we're, we don't have the Spirit. Oh, no. If you're born again, you have the Spirit. Amen. Amen. You have the Spirit inside you. Romans 8 says, well, let's just turn and look at it. Romans 8. Romans 8, the uh, ninth verse. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, if you didn't have the Spirit of Christ, you wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't belong to the Lord. All those that belong to the Lord have the Spirit of Christ in them. In them. But not all who have the Spirit of Christ in them have received this endowment of power upon them. You notice again and again in the Scripture where people were said to have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, it never said the Holy Ghost came in them. It always said He came on them or He came upon them. Study the Scriptures. Places like Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 2. All those occasions, you'll see where it says, the, talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost came upon people and gave them power to be uh, to bear witness and to bear testimony concerning Christ. How many know you can be saved and not be a very powerful witness? Is that right? I mean, you, you can be saved and you've got the Spirit within you. Now, this endowment of power upon is described over in John 7 where Jesus stood on the last day of the feast and he said, He that thirst let him come unto me and drink, and as the scripture said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. How many know there's a difference between a well and rivers? Yeah. Now see, the well is descriptive of the work and person of the Holy Spirit in you for your own personal benefit. You draw water out of the well for your own personal benefit. But the rivers flow out. Amen. Amen. The rivers are not something that's contained in one container. See, the Holy Ghost wants to flow through you, not just be in you to help you and bless you, that's the well, but the Holy Ghost wants to flow through you, come upon you and through you to touch other people's lives. That's the rivers. That's the rivers. How many know we need the well? And we need the rivers. Amen. We need it all. How many want it all? You know, I, I don't know how many people's testimony I've heard that, that, you know, they were unsure whether this baptism with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues and what have you was for them or not. They, they weren't sure, but they just prayed in private. Lord, I just want it all. Next thing you know, they were speaking in tongues. I've heard that testimony many, many times. Lord, I just want all that you have for I don't know how many people I've, I've heard uh, say that, you know. And I've had opportunity to, to uh, hear and read a lot of people's testimony along that line. I won't go into why, but I, but I have. And a lot of people's testimonies along that line. And I, I, many, many people, that was their testimony. I just said, Lord, I don't know whether this is, is, is right or not, but, but Lord, I just want all that you have for me. Next thing you know, they were a tongue talker. Amen. No, you don't have to be saved. Excuse me, you don't have to, you don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. You have to be saved before you're a candidate to receive. You're not a candidate to receive this endowment of power until you are saved. Until you are born again. You can be a good Christian. And you can have a lot of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And not have this endowment of power. But as far as being a powerful witness, which has to do with the manifestations of the Spirit mentioned over in 1 Corinthians 12, these are some of the main tools used to be a powerful witness. These things only come uh, about through the baptism with the Holy Spirit, this endowment of power upon one for service. 
But I'm not really talking about the rivers today. I'm not really talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm talking about the well. Amen. The rivers have more to do with ministry. You understand? The well has more to do with your personal life. Notice what the woman said to the uh, to Jesus. She said, sir, the well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with. <laughs> Where are you going to get this water, this living water? I think a lot, of, a lot of people feel that way. The well is deep. They don't have anything to draw with, they don't think. Don't know how to get anything out of the well. One thing I, I want to endeavor to communicate to you, and if we don't get anything else today but this, this would be, this would be all right if we could get this, this one thing. And that is that within you is the Holy Spirit, the greater one. He is God, you know. The Holy Spirit is God. And He lives inside of you. And all that He is and all that He has is in Himself and He's in you. So all that He is is in you. And all that He has is in you. There is a reservoir inside of you of unlimited resources. Amen. There is inside of you the strength of God, the life of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the plan of God. In you. In you. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then all that He is and all that He has and all that He knows is in you. In you. And it's compared to a well. A well of living water. And the scripture that we read over in Proverbs 20, it said that counsel... Is one of the things that's that's in there. But he said it's like deep water. We could say it's like a deep well. Like water down in a deep well. But a man of understanding will do what? Will draw it out. So in order to draw it out, you need to be a person of understanding. And it's very obvious that many people are not drawing out of what's there. And we can assume it's because they don't understand. Many times they don't understand what's there and they don't understand how to draw it out. But before we're through with this, I want, I want you to have some kind of an idea of what's in you and what's in the well and I want you to know how to draw it out. Amen. Notice in the same 8th chapter of Romans, it says, verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does He? If he does, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Now that word means to make full of life. Your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. If your mortal body is quickened, that sounds like healing, doesn't it? If your mortal body is made full of life, that sounds like healing. Strengthening, quickening, healing, rest restoration. Thank God. The Spirit of God lives in you. He's a quickening Spirit. He's inside you. You do know who this Spirit is, don't you? This is the same Spirit that was on Jesus as He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And with power. So we didn't see any. If you study Jesus' ministry, you don't see any healings or miracles or deliverances until after when he was about age 30, the Holy Ghost came upon him when he was baptized in the river. Isn't that right? The Holy Ghost. So really the works that happened in Jesus' ministry happened by the agency and the person of the Holy Ghost. It was that spirit that opened the blind eyes working upon and through Jesus. Amen? Open the deaf ears. Open the mouths of those that couldn't speak. Heal the lame. Cleanse the lepers. And even raise the dead. 
Amen. That spirit lives in you. Not not another one. That spirit, the same spirit. Now, it's amazing how he's omniscient. He can be in all of us at the same time. He's God. How does he do that? Well, he's God. But he is. Is he in you? Are you convinced that this spirit we're talking about, the Holy Spirit, he's a person. He's not just a force. He's a person. He's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He's God. And He lives inside of you. He's in you. He's in me. He's in every genuinely born-again child of God. He's in us. How many of the Holy Ghost knows everything? Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Let's just take our time and think about these things. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Verse 10. 1 Corinthians 2.10 And the Bible says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Talking about the great things that eyes not seen, ear heard, nor either nor entered into the heart of man. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of man. Excuse me, the Spirit of God. The things of God knows no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Well, it's one of the reasons why the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit. So that we might know what has been given to us. Amen. So that we might know what has been given to us. That's one of the things Jesus said before he left when he was teaching the disciples and us also through the writings about the comforter. He said, when he's come, he will teach you all things. He will guide you into all the truth. He'll bring to your remembrance everything that I've said to you. He'll show you things to come. He'll take of mine and he'll show it unto you. One of the biggest problems, perhaps the biggest problem, at least one of the biggest problems in Christendom is that so many Christians are so ignorant of what has been given to them. Most Christians know virtually, you know, nothing of what has been given to them. I know that's a strong statement, but I I believe it. Most Christians... They, and even those that do know something just know so little. Just such a small, small uh, fraction of, of what's been given to them. Who they are now in Christ and in the kingdom of God. The authority that we have. And all that has been delegated and given unto us in Christ. It's very obvious that people don't know by the way they pray. Most of the praying that Christians do is, Lord, bless me. Lord, give me. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. When the great majority of prayers that people pray, the Bible says he's already done it. Did you know that? So many times people are, oh God, do this for me. Oh Lord, bless me. The Bible says we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Oh God, heal me. The Bible says by stripes you were healed. Oh, Lord, deliver me. The Bible said he has delivered us from all the authority and power of darkness. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, according to the word of God, just basically any and everything that you would ever want or need that you, you know, could think of or hadn't thought of that's good and a blessing has already been bought, paid for, and delivered to us in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't have to do and doesn't need to do something else to bless us. He's done it. Amen. He's done it. When he's offered himself up, spirit, soul, and body, when he took his own blood and entered into the Holy of Holies to obtain an eternal redemption for us, when he sat down at the right hand on high, it was symbolic of the fact that he has done what needed to be done to give us redemption, 
to give us cleansing, to give us forgiveness, to give us authority, to give us power, to give us provision, to give us wisdom, to give us grace. Everything, everything, everything that we need. But now here's the big question. If I have been given all this wisdom, why do I feel so dumb? If uh, if I've already been healed, then why am I still hurting? Why am I still like this? If uh, You understand what I'm saying? If I've already been delivered, then why do I feel so bound? Why do I have all these bondages and vices in my life? There's a couple of basic reasons. One, you've got to find out that it's yours and you've got to believe it. And two, you've got to draw from it. Amen. I said you've got to draw from it. You've got to draw on it. And that's one of the main areas that folk have been missing it in. There's even been a lot of folk in charismatic circles. They've been taught that it's yours. They've been taught that it belongs to them. But they still, even though they're going around saying it's mine, it's mine, they still are not actively drawing on it. You've got to draw on it. You've got to make a demand on it. You've got to draw it up. You've got to draw it out. And the sad thing is that so many people are waiting on God to give it to me. He's already given it to us. Waiting on God to do it. Folk have the idea that, that the Lord's going to send an angel with a silver platter and kind of spoon feed it down into us. When the truth is, it's already been given us in Christ and we've got to learn how to draw it out. How to lay hold of it and pull it out. Into this natural physical realm. Whether we can enjoy it. Can you say amen? amen. We've, got to, we've got to draw it out. The Bible said counsels in that well. There's all kind of things in that well of living water. But a man of understanding will do what? He'll draw it out. He will draw it out. She will draw it out. Did you know that the Holy Ghost helps some people a lot more than he does others? Do you know that? You don't usually get too much shouting when you say that. But, but it's true. Do you know the Holy Spirit helps some people a lot more than he does other people? But it's not because he's a respecter of persons. And it's not because he doesn't want to help other people. It's because some folk have learned how to depend on him. How to draw on his resources. How to utilize what he's made available to them. And others have not. Go with me, why don't you, to Luke 15. And let me remind you of a story that's very familiar to most of us. But to me, it so aptly portrays the truth we're talking about just now. It's the story of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to take time to just read the whole thing. I'm just going to kind of share it with you in story form. Paraphrase it. And then we'll notice a couple of verses in particular. But beginning here in verse 11, we'll read these couple of verses. It said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now you ought to underline that word, them. You ought to make sure you understand that. It said he gave them. Them means what? Both of them. He, he gave to the younger. He gave to the elder. He divided it. Isn't that right? He didn't just give it to the younger. He divided it and gave it to both of them. He divided unto them. Everybody say them. Didn't say him. Them. He had two boys. And he gave it unto them. And of course you know the story. Wasn't, wasn't long after that until the younger one. He took his part. He drew it all out. <laughs> and he went to a far country. And he wasted it. With riotous living. I'm sure they just had one big party after another. He, he's got the money. And he probably had a lot of new friends. With the money. And they partied and they drank and they ate and they caroused. And they did everything they were big enough to. And uh, after a while the money began to run out. 
And as the money ran out, friends ran out. That's the way it is in the world, you know. And uh, eventually he found himself with no money. And he looked around for somebody that would let him sleep over at their place because, you know, he's been paying for everything and picking up all the tabs and, and, and nobody's around. Nobody would buy him a drink. Nobody would let him stay anywhere. He began to see where his friends were. Didn't have any. Finally, he found a guy. I mean, he, he's, he's uh, you know, desperate. He found a guy. And he said, uh, I need a job bad. He said, can, can, do you need anybody? Can you hire anybody? He said, well, he said, uh, I could use somebody to help feed my pigs. But the pay's not much. He said, well, if it's anything, I mean, I got to have something. And that must have been terribly, terribly demeaning for the uh, uh, the son of a, a, a you know apparently semi-wealthy anyway Jew to be feeding somebody else's pigs because see pigs uh, uh, Jews didn't even touch them I mean that you know and here he is working for a man that's a pig farmer feeding the pigs and the Bible said he got so hungry that the husks that he was feeding the pigs looked good. I mean, he, he thought seriously about reaching out in the trough and getting some of that out because he was so hungry. How many of those sin will bring you low? Amen. Sometimes folk talk about, well, it's hard to serve the Lord. No, the Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. That's what's hard. Ignoring God and transgressing His ways, that's what's hard. One preacher's preaching about this, you know. And we got to the part over here where it said while he was you know, feeding the pigs, he came to himself and he said, uh, he said, uh, my father's servants, they have plenty to eat. They have a place to stay and sleep. I'm just, I'm just going to go back home and I'm going to tell father, you know, I've sinned against you and against the Lord. I'm not worthy to be called your son, but would you just make me one of the hired hands? I'm not asking you to take me back as a son. I've, I've dishonored you, but would you just make me one of the hired servants? Because, I mean, I know they got a place to stay and they eat good. It's a lot better than I'm doing. One individual said, uh, that talking about what sin will do to you, he said he's, he's, he sold all of his jewelry. He took it off and pawned it and, and he took off his coat and sold it and, and he took off this and took off that and took off his shirt and then he came to himself. Amen. <laughs> and sometimes people just about have to get stripped of everything before they come to their self. And realize that the way they're going is wrong. How many know it's dumb to have to lose everything you got nearly to realize that you're going the wrong way? Amen. And it's not a matter that the Lord is making it hard on you. You might say, well, the Lord just did that to help me realize it. No, you were just dumb and couldn't learn the easy way. Amen. It's amazing how people are taught like that. Well, you know, the Lord taught me a lesson. Well, no, you were stupid. How many understand? That's not God's will for you to learn that way. God's will is for us to be sensitive and obedient. Amen. That's His will. That's His way. Now, if you go the wrong way, you'll be cursed. You'll suffer. But it won't be the Lord's will. And it won't be the Lord's way of you learning things. See, all the suffering that people do, so much of it, you know, that people claim is for the Lord's sake, so much of it is just for their own mistakes. It ain't got anything to do with suffering for the Lord. Wasn't the Lord's will, wasn't the Lord's way, didn't bring any glory to the Lord. So much of the suffering that people do has got nothing to do with glorifying the Lord. It's just suffering for one's own, one's own mistakes. Let's keep, keep them separated. It's frustrating when you're dealing with folk and they're trying to say, well, I'm suffering for the Lord, and they're not. They're not. They're suffering because they wouldn't listen. They've made mistakes. Be humble enough to admit it when you make, mess up and you make a mistake. This fellow was, wasn't he? I mean, how many of you have to humble yourself to do what he did? But oh, he got blessed, didn't he? Sometimes you just have to humble yourself and say, boy, I have messed up. I have blown it. And you, and you can't go back and expect people to treat you like they used to. You just have to go back and say, you know, <laughs> is there any way that I can have any place around here? That I can do anything. That I can come back home. You know, sometimes people are not repentant enough. They have that attitude, well, I blew it, but you know, you're supposed to forgive me and reinstate me like nothing happened. And they'll quote scriptures to you why you should 
uh, forgive them. That person is not truly repentant. Did you hear me? If somebody has blown it, and they're preaching to you how that you're supposed to restore them with nary a word, and how that you're supposed to forgive them, they're telling you these things. They are not truly repentant. Do you understand? When you really see that you've missed it, and you're truly repentant, then you have to be willing, if need be, to sacrifice some things. And you don't make any demands on anybody to treat you any certain way. Do you understand? It's important to note that. This guy had the right attitude. Amen. When he said, I'm not, I'm not even going to come and, and, and ask him to take me back as a son. I've dishonored him, dishonored the family. I'm just going to ask him to, would, could he use another hired hand? That's a right attitude. How many understand that? That's a right attitude. But somebody comes back and demands and say, well, I made some mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes. Haven't you made mistakes? The Bible says you're supposed to forgive me and receive me. That person hasn't changed. I said, that person hasn't changed. I said, that person has not changed. And that kind of person you should not receive and restore like that. Doesn't mean you hold a grudge against them. Just means they're not ready. They're not ready to resume place and responsibilities and that kind of thing. The kind of person that might be ready is a person that wouldn't ask for it. At least not then. They're willing, if need be, to to uh, endure some of the results of their mistakes, straighten things out. Oh, they know God's forgiven them. They know they're not going to have to try to pay for their mistakes as far as God's concerned. The blood of Jesus pays for that. But you still got to deal with people. Is that right? You still got to deal with people. And so many times if you've messed up, messed up, messed up, and let people down, let people down, yeah, God's forgiven you. He's not going to hold it against you. He's not. He remembers your sins no more. But people... A lot of times, you need to be willing to prove to them that you've changed and not ask or demand anything of them until you have adequately proven yourself to them over a period of time. And the person that comes in demanding that people treat them a certain way and restore them a certain way, that person hasn't repented. That person has not changed. See, repent means to change. Just because somebody gets down the altar and cries over something didn't mean they repented. Do you understand? Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, sometimes people are just sorry that they got caught. They're sorry that it came out. But they haven't changed. Repent means to change, to turn. Turn from something to something else. To change. You can see he really repented, can't you? He did. He's willing, he, he's, he's coming and acknowledging. I missed it. No excuses. Nobody, not, not trying to blame somebody else, not trying to blame, well, you know, uh, if mom and dad had treated me right, I wouldn't have been so wild and this and that, and if I hadn't had so many wild friends and that. No, 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 no. You know, so many times you hear people say this, well, so and so just fell in with the, the wrong crowd. Honey, they are the wrong crowd. Oftentimes the leader of the pack of the wrong crowd. Well, my little Johnny just got in with the wrong bunch. He's probably the leader. And it doesn't help you to pretend and play games about these things. Do you understand? You've got to look at things the way they are and deal with them the way they are. Faith doesn't stick its head in the sand and pretend that there are no problems. Faith deals with realities. And deals with a God who is greater than these problems. Amen? But uh, he really repented. He humbled himself. I mean, here he is. Uh, he's in humble circumstances to begin with. Probably dirty, smelly, by the pig trough, looking longingly at pig food, thinking... Dear Lord, I'm under the barrel. 
I mean, I'm in the ditch of life. <laughs> My daddy's got hired hands that are eating good food and sleeping in a good place. And here I am. He said, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell my dad that I've sinned against him, against the Lord, and I'm not, I'm not asking to be restored his son, but would he hire me as, as one of his servants? Hired hand. So he went. And the Bible says when the father saw him a, a distance off, he recognized it was his son. And he ran to him and grabbed him and embraced him. Gave him a big hug. I bet he didn't smell good. I bet he didn't look good. <laughs> Months of partying and all that kind of stuff, that they wear on you. How many know that the life of sin will age you prematurely? Oh, it will. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll put age on you quick. Wears you out. And, uh, he grabbed him and hugged him and the boy starts saying, you know, uh, Father, I'm sorry. I, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the Lord. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he, he wouldn't let him finish. He said, he said, go bring the robe. Servant takes off after it. Go bring my ring. Go get a fatted calf. Prepare a celebration. My son has returned. This is representative of our Father God, isn't it? Is this the way He is? If you'll really repent, the Lord will meet you. He will receive you. He will cleanse you. He will love you. He will bless you. Amen? If you play games, you'll do without. You'll be isolated. But if you really repent, the Lord will receive you and bless you. He'll be better to you than you would have asked for, considering the circumstances. Amen? If you really repent. So they're celebrating. But the Bible says the elder son came in from the field. He's, he, he's hot and dirty and dusty. He's been working out in the field all day long. He hears music. And dancing. He thinks, I didn't know there was a party going on. What, what? And he finds a servant. He says, what's going on? He says, uh, your brother has returned home. He thought, my brother? That's sorry, rascal. And, and your father has received him and gave him the good robe and the good ring and has killed for him the fatted calf and, and has thrown on this celebration. And boy, it made him mad. He was standing out there steaming. Wouldn't go in. And the father came out to him. Again, showing the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Came out to him. And he said, what's, you know, what's, what's wrong, son? And down in the verse 29, he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet you never gave me a kid. That was a, you know, a goat. That I might make merry with my friends. See, much less a fatted calf. But as soon as this your son, wouldn't even call him his brother. As soon as this your son was come, which has devoured your living with harlots, you have killed for him the fatted calf. Boy, he's mad. He's hot. And I mean, he, he let his father have it. Now, is the father still representative of the Lord? Is he? Well, if he was a few minutes ago, he still is now. And the son is, is saying these things to the father? Do people say these kind of things to the Lord? If they don't vocalize them, I don't have it in their hearts. How many times have the elder son, older Christians, people that have been in been a Christian for a few years. Been been a Christian for a while. See somebody come in. Maybe hadn't been saved that long. Younger son. Maybe backslid. Did everything they're big enough to do. Comes back in, falls across the altar and repents and God blesses them. With some big blessing. Makes them mad. Brother Hagin said a lady came up to him one time. And said uh, this fellow had come in the altar in the service. Fell across the altar and just cried like he was broken, you know. And uh, in just a few minutes, though, he was speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost, and healed from a physical condition. The Lord just ministered to him and healed him. 
And this woman came up after the service to Brother Hagin. She said, I wish you'd tell me something, please. He said, what? What? Well, if I can. And she said, this man. She said, we all know who he is. She said, this man has done everything he's big enough to do. He's been an adulterer, a fornicator, uh, makes and sells liquor. Does this, does that, I mean, just named off all kind of things. What a sinner he was. And then he comes and falls across the altar and, and, and cries and, and gets healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and ask anybody in this church, he said, I'm, a, I'm the best Christian in this church. <laughs> you know, I'm always here. I give. I visit the sick. I do this. I do that. And she said, and I've been sick for X amount of years. And how come the Lord healed him and won't heal me? Made her mad. Like this elder son. He's mad. That's what he said. That's what he said to the father. He said, to, he said, I have always been with you. I have worked faithfully for you. I'm always in your fields. I'm always tending your flocks. I'm always doing everything that you've told me to do. I, I haven't violated your commands or transgressed what you told me to do. I've always been faithful. I've always been obedient. You never gave me anything. You never even gave me a kid of the goats so that I could have a little party with my friends. Nothing. You never gave me anything. And in here, your son comes in that's, that's wasted all your money with harlots and you kill a fatted calf for him. Are there Christians that feel that way? <laughs> Afraid so. Oh, but hear the words of the Father. Notice in verse 31. What did the Father tell him? Because this is representative of the Father God. What did he tell him? He said unto him, Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is thine. All that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Friend, there's such a message here. Hear the words of God. Here's an elder son, faithful servant of the Lord. But he's angry, he's mad because he hadn't been blessed, he hadn't been enjoying some things in life. And here comes in the younger Christian. He lived like the devil. And is blessed with this and with that. And it made him mad. And the father said, son, you're always with me. Let me paraphrase that. Son, I know you're with me. I know you're faithful to me. I know you're always working for me. I know that. I know God knows if we're faithful and we're working for Him. He knows that. Is He forgetful of our good works? Is He forgetful of our faithfulness and obedience? The Bible said He is not forgetful. He's not unjust to forget our labors and our works. But He looked at him and He said, Son, all that I have is yours. You can go back to that previous verse. When, when he divided the living, he divided it unto them, didn't he? See, God did some special things for that younger son because he needed it. He was at a place in his life where he's lost all confidence in himself, confidence in everything. He doesn't feel like he's even part of the family anymore. And he comes back genuinely repentant. He didn't ask for a ring. He didn't ask for a robe. He didn't ask for a party. God, the, the, the message here is that God did special things for this young baby Christian that is repented. And if God wants to do something special for somebody to make them feel loved and a part of the family, He's God. He can do it. Amen? Is that right? Didn't have to clear it through you or through me. This, this younger son didn't believe for this. They didn't receive this robe and ring and, and celebration and party through their faith. God just did it for them. It's symbolic of God just doing it for somebody, just out of His mercy, just to bless them, just to help them to feel back part of the family and restored. And God does things like that, especially for young Christians, babies. Amen, that their whole faith is threatened. God will do special things for them sometimes. 
Not in response to their faith, just out of His mercy. Can you say amen? But He's telling this older son, how many know that you expect more out of elders, elder sons, than you do the younger sons? You expect more out of them. You require more out of them. He said to him, he said, son, all I have is yours. And I would elaborate on that a little bit. I mean, he's informing him, he's reminding him, and I believe he's also reproving him a little bit. Because he went on to say, it was right for us to celebrate with your younger brother. It was right, he was lost, now he's found. He's dead, he's now he's alive. But he's telling him, son, don't you know? I gave my goods unto you when I gave them unto him. Don't you know that all I have, everything I have, all I have is yours? You accuse me of not ever giving you anything. I've already given you everything. If you wanted a robe, you know where the closet is. Go get you a robe. If you wanted a ring, you know where the jewelry box is. Get you three if you want them. If you wanted a calf, if you wanted a steak, you know where the barn is. You know where the fields are. If you want to have a party, you should have had a party. The only person you can blame for not having a ring and not having a robe and not having a steak and not having a party is yourself. Because you did not draw on what I gave you. Can you say amen? Oh, friend, I fear that there's going to be a lot of Christians that's going to go through life being defeated, doing without. And I've heard heard people say, well, i got a question I'm going to ask the Lord when I get to heaven. How come I had to make it through like this? And how come this and that? The Lord's got got an answer. A lot of folks are not going to like it. I think some of the first statements that people are going to make when they get out of this body and get over on the other side, some of the first statements are going to be, Oh! You mean, I could have, and I could have had, and I could have done? Oh! Won't be any pointing any fingers at God. Are you listening? Won't be any accusing God. Why did you put this off on me? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you let me have this? Why didn't you bless me? The Lord's going to say, didn't you read my word? Didn't you know it was written? All things are yours. All things. First Corinthians says it again. Two times there. All things are yours. Ephesians 1.3 He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Peter said He's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. 1 Timothy 6 says He blesses us richly with all things to enjoy. Amen. He said if God spared not His own Son but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He has given us. Here's the story of a man that went year after year. Begrudging. Bitter. Because he wasn't enjoying this and wasn't enjoying that. Didn't have this and didn't have that. And then when it came out that the father out of his mercy just bestowed some blessings on the younger son, it made him so mad. He, You could tell he's about to choke. I mean, he's mad. Throwing accusations at the father. You know Christians have done that? Accuse the father. Lord, this is not right. Lord, this is not fair. Oh, it's fair. It's fair. Won't you do this for me? He has. Won't you give me this? He has. Won't you let me have this? He has. He has. Well, if he has, what do we enjoy? Because you got to get it. You gotta go to the barn and get your calf. You gotta go to the closet and get your robe. You gotta go to the jewelry box and get you a ring. And don't wait for God to come stick it on your finger. He told you it's there. Now get it. Amen? The well is there. The living water is in it. The healing water is there. 
The life is there. The strength is there. The wisdom is there. The counsel is there. But the sad fact is in so many Christians, they're walking around with the greater one, God himself by the Spirit dwelling inside of them. And for all practical purposes, as far as what they're enjoying, it's almost like he's not there. Because they're acting like the well is deep and I don't have anything to draw with. And you've got a few people around that have learned how to draw out of the well. And you've got most everybody else flocking to them saying, give me a drink. Are you listening? <laughs> give me a drink. And thank God we can do that. But, friend, you've got a well in you. You've got your own private well. If you learn how to draw it out. Draw it out. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.